folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind, when you want to hit the reset button. Reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Another episode of Tuesday Morning Left Guard. Matthew Collar here along with former Minnesota Viking Jeremiah Searles, who this morning is wearing his Buffalo Bills shirt. A proud day for you, a former Buffalo Bill. And honestly, Jeremiah, I mean, I was nine years old the last time that the Buffalo Bills won a playoff game. And I, I do remember it and the excitement in Buffalo the last time very, very long time ago that they won. So we will get into everything playoffs, but I mean, what a great weekend. Look, I was not mad about the seventh playoff spot and the competition level as I was watching this weekend and doing nothing but sink into my couch for 20 hours over two days. Absolutely. I loved the seventh. I love the three games a day thing. That was phenomenal. You got literally, it felt like I was watching red zone, but I wasn't because usually you just watch red zone and you just sit there and watch all day, but then you can literally watch. But the nice thing was there was no like, Oh, this game's trash. Or this game's not that fun. Like as terrible as the saints and the Chicago game was like, it was still fairly competitive for most of the game, even though it was awful football, but it was just fun to sit and watch some good football, good teams, teams that I think deserve to be there and just continue to work through it. But I I loved it. But it's also there's a sad part of me because I know that every weekend going forward now, there's less and less football. And I was talking to my buddy last night during the national championship game where I was like, this is this is the end. Yeah. Like this, this is it. Like college football is now done for me, which I'm a big college football fan. So I was very sad about that. Hello, darkness, my, my old friend. Old... Right. No college football again oh. until September. Oh, it is, yeah, it is. Uh, I have that feeling every single year. And I, I felt that at the end of the Viking season, like week 17, uh, I had no interest in watching Vikings lions, but as it was ending, I was like, it's going to be a long time. <laughs> like there's preseason games, right? You know, the yep. late July Maybe. or whatever, or Maybe. August. Yeah. I hope so. I hope that we are all vaccinated enough to go to have preseason games, but anyway, that's another podcast. So um, the, uh, the playoffs are great. We're going to get to all those things, but I have a Vikings off season topic that I want yes. to address with you that I think is very interesting. And I've gotten some great questions from Vikings fans about this. Daniil Hunter's situation has been one where we've kind of been like, 
Yeah, what's up with that? Because we have gotten no answers whatsoever since one tweet by Ian Rappaport about how uh, Daniil Hunter either wants to be traded or be the highest paid defensive end. And the Vikings have talked as if he's just coming back and it's going to be all good. You plug him back in, there's 15 sacks for you and you move on with your life. Um, I wonder what you think about the idea of trading Daniil Hunter because of the price tag, the cap situation and the value that the, they could, could potentially get back versus reworking his contract, which I think is very clear that he wants to do. I don't, I, I'm, I struggle because you go back and forth on it. You look at it as, okay, they didn't have Daniel Hunter this year. So he kind of has all the cards in the sense that he's like, look what I can do and look what happens when I'm not on the field. But then you flip it on the other side. It's like, yeah, but you had a neck injury that you might not be the same guy. You might not give us 17 or plus games because of that neck injury. And I think that it's really hard for teams and players to, to come to agreements when that's the opposite side that you're looking at of, Hey, I'm a 16 to 17 sacks a year guy. You should pay me like that. And then the team goes, but your neck's broken. And, and like, so there's this huge conflict of interest between there. And it kind of goes back to the Eric Kendricks thing where we all knew how important Eric Kendrick was until, and like, we were like, man, he's really good. But then when there's the absence of Eric Kendricks, you're like, wow, he actually is that much better than everyone else thinks he is. And so I think that they're going to try and find a way to keep him there because if you lose Daniel Hunter off this defensive line, you might as well just burn it down and start over because there's no mainstay left from any of the championship run team. There's nobody left on that front four that even remembers the names of the guys that were on that championship run team or the NFC championship, what I'm talking about. And if you look at it, the only thing I'm giving up for him is a first round pick. That's it. And I don't necessarily know if people are in the market of giving up first round picks for a defensive end coming off neck surgery. It's interesting because the two teams that were playing in the Seattle and the Los Angeles Rams game, both of them gave up multiple first round picks for a defensive back. And for one team, they're really regretting it. And for the other team, they're feeling great about it. And, uh, you know, Chicago gave up a ton for Khalil Mack and none yep. of those players were coming off of the injury. But so let's just say that there's medical clearance because we don't know. And I can't right. speculate, Hey, how's your neck? Daniel, like he hasn't talked uh, at all in public and he's tweeted out or, Instagrammed a couple of you know videos of him working out or whatever, which you know, uh, impressive because it's Daniil Hunter. But to, to say you're for sure going to be the same is hard. So let's just go on the assumption that he is going to be Daniil Hunter. The mm -hmm. That is a player that you want to have on your defense. But one thing that both Khalil Mack and Jamal Adams kind of show you is that if you're asking somebody to be, and, and Jalen Ramsey too, there's a difference between asking somebody to be the final piece to a defense like Khalil Mack or Jalen Ramsey and asking someone to be the savior of the defense for a ton of money for a huge cap hit. And I feel like if they rework his contract to make him the highest paid guy and they uh, sort of you know, all right, we'll do whatever you want. You're holding us hostage because we have Jalen Holmes. Otherwise, I, I, I feel like asking him to be the savior of the defense is not the way to go with that. And if you can get first round picks for it and have, you know, two first round picks this year or get your second round back to go along with that, you know, whatever it might be and save $20 million. Like that is a, that is a lot to get in exchange for someone who I think is one of the elite players at his position, but there's only so much one guy can do for a defense. 
I agree. And I think that you're exactly right. He is not the, he's not going to come in and make everything better. He's not going to come and make our 30, 30th ranked defense, a top five defense, like the one guy. We got more issues than just Daniel Hunter. But will he make you to a 15th ranked defense? Possibly. I mean, he's that good. And so when you look at a guy like that, you think, is it worth the cap hit? But then you got to, the problem is, is usually like you look at what they did for like Camille Lack or Cleo Mack, Jamal Adams, Ramsey. They had their offense pretty much set on those teams already. They knew that their offenses were good. They were just missing the piece on defense. You flip at the Vikings and you're going, uh, we got issues all over the place. Like, I don't think we can afford to just plug into this one player and then just ignore everything else and just think that we're going to be better all around as a football team. Now looking at a broader lens of not just defense, but offense, defense, special teams and think are the picks going to help us more overall down the road than just having Daniil for the next two or three years or whatever it might be. Because if you think Daniil's going to need another big contract soon with how young he is. Right. I mean, the dude's like 23, 24 years old now. And so I think that if you can get a first round pick for him, maybe. But the problem is, like I said, I don't know how many people are going to be willing to give up a first round pick for a guy coming off a neck surgery because medical, I mean, you talk about being able to go out there and produce, that's the biggest piece. But a lot of people are just like, is he even going to be around? And I don't know if he's not going to be able to go work out for teams because it's not right. like he's a free agent. Right. Like it's it's going to be this big guessing game, and that's a lot of money to risk on an investment that you don't know if he's going to be what he was before he got hurt. Yeah, that's a good point. I I think about what you can do with twenty million dollars in cap space. Now that that's of course they're not going to structure it to have a higher cap hit. So it'd right. probably be about the same or a little bit lower in the first year because nobody likes kicking money down the road as much as the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> and then the bill comes and you go, Oh, we have to get rid of our whole defense. Um, okay. I guess we'll do that. <laughs> and, and you know, what's funny about that is just, it's well had to do it. And Linval played well and Rhodes played well. And, you know, I'm just, throwing that out there that maybe you made your own bed a little bit when it came to that defense. So the people who say, well, there was nothing they could do. Well, there was something they could do and that's not kick the cash down the road over and over and over and over, but that's, that's a side point. But I was thinking about like the Baltimore Ravens this year and how they put together their defensive line. They trade for Ngakwe, they get Kalias Campbell, they sign Derek Wolf, who's kind of a fun player, right? Like they, they, they get up. Pernell, I'm sure you're not a huge fan of a lot of defensive linemen. Uh, Pernell McPhee, who you know is really good. And they just sort of sign all these guys or bring them in and they add up to $20 million. There's like four good players here for $20 million. And, and that's kind of a point about Hunter and just what it takes is, would you rather have four guys who can fill four different spots, you know, a, a nickel corner and, a, you know, a, a three technique and all these things. And I mean, the answer just might have to be yes because of the cap situation they've put themselves in. I think a lot of it, too, is going to have to be, I mean, besides that one tweet, we don't know, is Daniil willing to say, hey, I'll take like, I'll take my same money and come back and prove it. But if I prove it, then I want to be the next highest paid player, right? Like, I'm staying on my contract, but unless if I come back next year and I show who I am and I show what I can do, and then, like, you better you better pay me. Or I'm, or then I'm holding out. I could see Daniel doing something like that. Um, but I mean, if that's the case, then there is a little bit more wiggle room to to, to go get one or two more guys. But if he's gonna, like you say, hold a knife to your throat and say, "Pay me," or I, I'm not, I'm, I'm out. You got to move them. You, you, you really don't have a choice. 
Um, I want to ask you about another thing before we get to love to see it, hate to see it on the playoffs, but I have a tweak to love to see it, hate to see mm. it. Uh, so I'll explain that in a second. You and I both watched the national championship game last night. I yes. want you to tell me which player or players on the field last night that you want to see become Minnesota Vikings. And I'm going to, I could start out. You with start, that. you start, you go ahead. Christian Barmore. <laughs> yeah. Come on, come on over here. Come over yep. here. It's colder here, but you play indoors. Uh, Christian Barmore was a freaking beast. And there are good offensive linemen on Ohio State's team that he shredded last night. And Justin Fields was under pressure all night long from him up the middle. Uh, Wyatt Davis is a good offensive lineman in the first half. Barmore beat him. Um, and, and, you know, hey, if you're looking for a three technique who can create pressure and stuff the run and comes from the right university where they have a lot of guys who do that, Christian Barmore might be your guy. And I mean, to perform the way he did in these two college playoff games against really good offensive lines, I'm impressed. I would agree. I was going to say he, he fits the mold for exactly. I don't know if he'll even still be there when Minnesota gets to pick being the issue. I mean, he might've worked himself into a top 10 type pick, depending how he tests at the combine. But I mean, if you just go off straight skill and straight game tape, he wasn't, he was phenomenal. I mean, it didn't matter what they did. The center couldn't reach him. The guard couldn't reach him. He was just pushing the pocket up the middle. But, I mean, you, you mentioned a name on there, too. I would really like to see Alex Leatherwood for uh, the left tackle from Alabama get a shot at Minnesota Purple. I think that he fits a guy. He fits a scheme. He's incredibly athletic. It's incredibly stout in the pass game, and he can really run. And I think that if you decide to move on from – um Riley Reef if that's your decision and you want to leave Ezra Cleveland at guard you go draft a guy like Alex Leatherwood who is a true left tackle who played left tackle in college you don't mess with his position you don't mess with a position change and all that and you just plug him in at left tackle and let him do his thing and yeah he might take his lumps as a young player but you look at a guy like Willis for the Cleveland Browns he's gotten so much better as the year progressed on mm -hmm. like he, he's just gotten better and better each and every week and that's what you do with the first round guy that you take at that level and say hey your job figure it out as you go we'll help you we'll coach you we'll get you there but like your god-given ability will give you the best i think leatherwood probably top three top four tackle in this year's draft could still be on the board there when minnesota picks in the first round want to remind you about our friends at soda stick if you use the promo code purple insider you can get free shipping at sodastick.com to get your original minnesota sports inspired goods there's so many great designs including chuck foreman spin doctor shirts skull hats straight cash homie shirts and much much more and if you are a hockey fan without getting going soon or a basketball fan make sure you check out all sorts of great designs their apparel is screen printed here in minnesota on super soft super comfy shirts and hoodies you will love it that's sodastick.com s-o-t-a-s-t-i-c-k.com original minnesota sports inspired goods code purple insider for free shipping what I like about Leatherwood is that the dude has played like 3000 college snaps. I mean, yep. he is very experienced and this is not a team that's looking to take guys who are going to be good three, four years down the road. They want people to play right away in the situation that they're at. And I think Leatherwood is 
the rare guy who would be able to step in right away. And plus, I mean, Mac Jones all year long has just had a lot of time to throw the football standing back there waiting for wide receivers to get wide open. Uh, And of course I got a bunch of tweets last night and I don't hate it of uh, Devante Smith. If teams like Jamar chase more and he does drop into the middle of the first, I know that he's skinny. I would have some concerns there getting off the line. Of he's going number three to Miami. You're to out of your mind. No, They're going to get worried about his skinniness. It doesn't matter. He's played that way his entire college career. He doesn't take the big hits. He understands who he is and what he does. And the way he just glides along the turf as he runs like a gazelle running from a lion. It's absurd. Like he understands like, yes, he got hit hard. He dislocated his finger. I don't necessarily know if that's like, oh, he's so skinny. Oh, he's so skinny. He broke his finger. His finger yeah. It's just like, it's like, dude, the dude has proven time and time again. Like he, I don't think he's missed much time for injury. Like, yeah. And he will go number three, or I'm guessing he'll still go number three to Miami. Okay, very possible that he does go higher. I just wonder about, you know, like um, in the NFL, you know, you know how they are with this stuff. Look at Deshaun Jackson. You, you get, he's skinny. Know, you, he's fast. It, it's the outlier. I mean, you get, and he's still like 15 pounds heavier than. Uh, than Smith is. I, I'm saying that this happens a lot in the NFL where you get to the combine, everybody weighs in, everybody runs their thing. And then all of a sudden it's, Ooh, I got questions about this guy. Can he do that? You know, they do that. I and that's know. where, and that's where the value picks come in is when you say, Oh, they don't, uh, they're not drafting Aaron Donald number one, because he's a little lighter than some of the other guys, right? <sighs> this happens all the time. And I'm just saying that, you know, you get into that range. If you got one of those top wide receivers, it's not the craziest thing. I don't think they'll do it. I think there's a, a case for it. So what do, you, what do you think about John battle, the safety for Alabama? I he, think that I like if, him. I think yeah. he's a good player. I think he fits. He would fit. He would fit a Zimmer scheme. Well, I think, I think if you're taking a safety in the first round though, like, is that something that you want to do? If you are we think- saying everything first round here, I thought we were just saying, who do we want to oh, see? Okay. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. I'm not yeah. saying first yeah, yeah, round. Yeah. I'm saying he might okay. be a second, third. I don't, we don't have a second, right? He <laughs> might be a third, third, fourth round pick. I mean, I don't necessarily know if he's going to be a top safety off the board. Okay. He might be, yeah, I could I w- be wrong. I wasn't sure about his status. Like, is he a guy who's going to be a first round pick? I was just thinking from a positional value, right. when you have Harrison Smith and he can still, well, play. it depends what you do with Anthony Harris. Right. Right. Yeah. If you're, if you're signing Harris back, which um, I know that a lot of people don't want to probably, but um, the way he played this year, he might actually be a good deal to be right. able to sign back. Cause you're like, well, you didn't get all the interceptions this year. So sign a cheap deal. And then he'll like get them next year or something. Um, but yeah, no, I, I can't say that I watched him close enough to give you like a completely hot take, but should they be thinking taking a safety higher than sixth round, if they're going to move on from Anthony Harris, <laughs> Probably because the idea of last year, like let's take a bunch of safeties and see in the seventh. Um, no, it didn't exactly (laughs) work out. I like the idea of, um, getting somebody off the free agent market who can just do the job, but, um, I'll give you another one. Um, but this guy is not a scheme fit, but I love him and I want him on whatever football team that I watch is Deontay Brown. Like, uh, his body looks like Bowser. (laughs) <laughs> and he is 350 pounds and he's six enormous. foot three. It's like, this is not a fire hydrant. This is like two fire hydrants sitting next to each he's other. He's a Volkswagen beetle. It's, it's amazing. And you know, he moves too. It's like, um, it's like a Richie incognito, sort of like a, you know, that's shape. 
So I love the problem with guys like him are you worry about, and I've seen it where they go through their, they've been at Alabama or they've been wherever for so long and they've had their regiments and their diets. And then they get through the combine process where they have everyone on their belts 24 seven and keep your weight down to the, they get through the season or and they're at the facility. They get there. And then all of a sudden they come back for year two of OTAs and they're 400 pounds. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you're like, Whoa, hi, what happened? And they're like, I don't know. The scale's wrong. Right, like I've I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. I watched it happen my rookie year. I'm not gonna say the guy's name and embarrass him, but I came back my second year to San Diego, and we get on the scale for OTAs, and I weigh in three eleven. Boom, goal weight done. He gets on after me four oh two. Oh my god! And he was like, "Scales heavy, scales heavy." I was like, "No, no, it's not." And he literally just ate himself out of a job. I mean, he he hasn't been the same since. And so there is a worry with those guys that are big like that, that if you're not on them 24-7, that they will eat themselves out of a job come the offseason. Um, and so that adds a word. But he is a mammoth of a human. I mean, I, yeah, I still nervous. love him. I know one of those exactly runs. About, but. One of those runs, uh, I think it was on the left side. And like he like big arms the guy with his left arm all the way across. And then this two-arm bench presses him up off the ground and plants him. I had my neighbors I was watching. They go, rewind that. I go, rewind. Just watch this man. <laughs> Yo, that's a grown man manhandling another grown man. Like, he is huge. Yeah. He was he was super fun to watch um, last night. And I know about, that, yeah. It's not the what would you think about ground. taking Dickerson late rounds? Late rounds, rehabbing him mm -hmm. and having him be kind of a guy. I could see them. I could see a team. I don't know if the Vikings will do it, but I mean, Remington Award winner, best center in the country, big physical guy. I mean, when he was out there for the coin toss, I was like, wow, I didn't realize how big he actually is. Um, but he's not going to get drafted super high with that ACL tear, right. but he might be a guy that you could draft four, five, and, and have on the bench, rehab him the right way, and then be ready to go for 2022. Yeah. I mean, this is a thing that the Vikings have not done well and that they need to do well is find some mid to late round offensive linemen that are good. Tell me how you really feel, Matt. You Tell me I, how you really feel. You thought I was going to say something really brilliant. Yeah, I was waiting for some profound. Like, no, they need to find Well, I mean, look now I know the Patriot way and all that sort of stuff, but they found a good offensive lineman in like the sixth round. And sometimes you can in the later rounds that can play guard. And even if the guy turns out to be just solid depth, you need that because I mean, Drew Samia was not solid depth this year. So like, yeah, I mean, do I like the idea of taking a guy who might have a high ceiling in the in the fifth or sixth? Absolutely. I, I think that's the way to go. I'll, I'll throw one more at you. If Mac Jones is there in the third, which he might be, might be, because I think he's got some Mason Rudolph vibes, and he's also got some Sean Hill body vibes. I was going to say, that body pick last night is not doing him any favors. He's, if you're going to be a top pick, you can't look like me. You just can't. I remember walking into the. Does he have any kids? Because that's dad bod. <laughs> that's dad bod. That's, that's yeah. a dad bod for sure. I walked into the Vikings locker room for the first time and I saw Sean Hill and I was like, that guy's in the NFL. I feel great about myself. And I love Sean Hill. I mean, he's what a career for that guy. I mean, what a classic journeyman. Stallion. But I mean, what a dad bod, though. Unreal. So look, you're not going to be a first round pick with that body, but uh, third round pick, maybe. Maybe. I can see it. I mean, yeah, you got to draft someone here pretty soon to, to hand the reins over to. And I think Mac Jones is a good guy that he's got the arm talent, but I just can't get over how much he looks like Tom Brady. Because <laughs> I think it's the long socks the way he like kind of folds down his long yeah. socks. And then like the way he tries to run with his flat feet. 
I just, I couldn't, like, anytime he ran, it was like, ah, like, get down. Like, you're going to get hurt. And then, like, the one time he got tackled, he got up limping. You're like, of course. Yeah. Yeah, there is a severe lack of athleticism that I think would limit him from ever being a very, very good quarterback in the NFL today. Uh, And if you're making Kirk Cousins comparisons about quarterbacks in college, that's usually not good. Well, because, I mean, think about, like, this is a fourth-round talent in Cousins who had to really maximize 100% of his skill to be a good NFL quarterback. How many guys are able to do that? Usually it's their physical skills. So um, here's what I want to play. I want to play, and you can pick any one. It doesn't have to be in order. Love to see it, hate to see it, or can't wait to see it Mm. for the NFL playoffs. And uh, I'm going to get one out of the way. Okay. It's going to make me sound like a, a miserable Gus uh, from watching this weekend's game, but hate to see it is refs. Just hate, <laughs> just bad job. Bad, bad, bad. You didn't do good. You did bad. There was so like, look, if you can't get reviews right after we all watch the same dang thing over and over, don't even bother reviewing anything. Okay. Just kill the review entirely. If when the guy for the Colts, stands up entirely and is moving his body forward and then fumbles. And they're like, I don't know. Might've got a fingernail on him. Like, Oh, forget this. Then this isn't even worth it. You get it just as wrong. And there were numerous call. I mean, there were eight penalties in the whole first three games. That is a joke. They pick the most uh, opportune time to keep Tennessee in the game with a penalty. That was the ticky tackiest of the ticky tack. Just cut it out referees I, I was very very frustrated over the weekend so i hated to see that uh, my hate to see is i for the first time i really thought that i saw derrick henry be kind of drama queenish oh. on the sideline derrick henry yeah, and mike right. Vabel, yeah. they're yeah. kind of getting after each other henry's coming off like not listening to him kind of rolling his eyes i'm like what what is going on here like yeah. you're not like this emotional like i don't know if something was said i don't know if something was going on but like that's not what you see like i always say like nothing rattles that guy like so many times someone will hit him and he just like, they like kind of get up in his face and he's kind of stands up ahead above the rest of them and like runs back to the huddle. But like, this was the first time I saw Derrick Henry get rattled and I hated to see that. Cause I actually had Tennessee winning this football game. I idiotically took the bet, but <laughs> I, I thought that they were going to win. I thought that they were going to ground and pound them down. And I didn't think Lamar Jackson was going to go full superhero mode on the ground. So I hated to see that game, but I really just hated to see that that kind of was the last impression of Derrick Henry's incredible season this year. Yeah, no, you're right. And they did an amazing job of the defensive line of the Baltimore Ravens and slowing him down. And there were even times where he was breaking tackles and it didn't matter. Like they were just gang tackling him. And that's where this is what happens when you have play action quarterbacks is that if you get stopped on the ground one time, it's over. And we saw that last year with the Vikings in San Francisco, like the minute the 49ers stuffed the run, it was just over. And I, that's one of the you know, extreme limitations to having a quarterback like that and having a system like that, because what are you going to do in the middle of the game? Just be like, Oh, it's not really working. Like change everything. Everyone <laughs> like, this is not Madden. Like your plan was to work off of your run success. And we've seen this too many times also with the Vikings where, Oh, Chicago and Akeem Hicks shut down their run. Now, what are you going to do? Uh, well, you're just going to struggle the rest of the way mm-hmm. is what happens so much. I'm going to go uh, love to see it. Jared Goff showing some toughness. I think Jared Goff gets like the worst 
reputation for a guy who is a number one overall pick and took his team to the Super Bowl. And by the way, didn't he have like a receiver drop an open potential touchdown in the Super Bowl that would have maybe helped them win it? Um, you know, like that losing the Super Bowl for him and Garoppolo made people think those guys are like trash and they're only decent because of their coaches. I'm not saying that I would take him over Patrick Mahomes or something, but give some respect to Jared Goff for that performance coming off the bench with a broken thumb and make it some big plays. Not just a broken thumb, just got like four pins in his thumb. Like they had to like pin his thumb back together. And first of all, Jamal Adams absolutely killed that one quarter. I thought he broke his jaw. Like when, when he got hit, I was like, oh my gosh, this dude's jaws just snapped in half. Like, and they stood up there like doing the whole like movement of the jaw. Like mm-hmm. dude to the hospital. I was like, gosh, that's it's death, Jamal Adams. Yeah. But I think that, I mean, Goff is a gunslinger. And I think he's also one of those guys that's like classic millennial, like, no, oh, whatever, man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing bothers me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't care about nothing. And sometimes that gets him into trouble. But I mean, going out there and slinging the rock, even though some of those balls had absolutely no juice on oh, them yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, it looked like he's playing 500 in the backyard at times. Um, I, I think that he absolutely deserves some toughness. He absolutely earned a lot of points. I think with a lot of guys around the NFL, a lot of people in the media, just showing out there, going out there and just gritting out a win for sure. I think just like give the guy some credit for what right. he's accomplished and, and don't give it all to uh, Sean McVay because look, you, you saw Nick Mullins, right? I mean, the, these guys are good. Like Nick Mullins can't win at all. Anytime he ever goes in because he's way worse than Jimmy Garoppolo. And the same mm. thing goes for, for Jared Goff. I mean, his 42 and 27 in his career and a trip to the Super Bowl. I mean, give him some credit. My uh, my love to see it for playoff edition is the salt and pettiness of Pittsburgh Steelers players. I think yes. that you've got, it started during the week of Juju for whatever reason, thinks it's a great idea to be like, oh, the Browns are the Browns. You know, the same team I've always played and just basically like pooped all over them, right? right. Yeah. And you're just like, why? You know Baker Mayfield eats that stuff alive. Yep. Like if there's one quarterback you really don't want to like fire up because it might make him play better, it's Baker because you know he's reading that. You know he's got everyone in his mother that sends it to him on social media. <laughs> and so it started with that. And then to end it with the Claypool Instagram live, like ah, bad loss, but you know, Brad's just going to get clapped next week anyways. It's like, are you guys that petty? Like that salty, that petty? Like you guys got absolutely dirt stomped by the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, you tried to make it competitive at the end of the game, but like stop being so like petty and ridiculous about it all. Be professionals, learn from it, and don't make the same mistake instead of, you know what? Nope, double down, come back on it. Like I just, I think it's ridiculous. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all listening platforms. The best part is you can get all All of this for $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge for an initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that wants 
to grow, Hustle is an open door leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. Go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box to find out more. That's bwhustle.com join. You know, I, I don't know if this is a, um, it's Gen Z, by the way. You and I are millennials. We need to look down on the Gen Zers. Yes. All right. We've so been looked maybe, down upon long enough. It's right. time to pass. Exactly. The, the poop rolls downhill. Exactly. Move it on down to Gen Z. I wonder if, a because now I am like 12 years older than Chase Claypool. And I wonder, <laughs> like, the, there is this Gen Z thing of younger people who's like, you know, whatever. Everyone just hates me. You know, if you, if you <laughs> like, if you, it's amazing though. It's like uh, their pro football focus for weeks was saying, look, Pittsburgh on paper just doesn't look that good. Um, there's a lot of reasons to think that they won't go anywhere in the playoffs and Pittsburgh players were like making fun of them online. Like, Oh, you guys, I bet you can't even run fast or whatever. Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you can run fast. Like the job is to analyze data and the data says you're not that good, bro. And uh, like, it's not, it's just someone analyzing data over football is not being a hater. Okay. Like it's just, and the same, and the same thing goes for like, acknowledge that you lost and just eat it. And you know, why are you, why are you trying to like downplay what they did? They just beat your ass. They were up 28 to nothing. Own it, man. Like take some, that's another thing is like taking responsibility for losing. Like, why don't you, why don't you take some responsibility for your team, you know, getting boat raced in that game and embarrassed on national television. I don't know. It seems logical to me. I mean, I, I also, it's, is it big Ben's last game? Did we see the final big Ben football game? I, I think we it did. Should be. I think it, we did. He bad. didn't I mean so many years. I'm used to seeing guys like Ben moving in the pocket, hanging off of him. And he literally looks like he can't move within a four foot radius. Like, and with the way the game is going with the mobile quarterbacks and the defensive ends that are like freaking cheetahs coming off the edge, like you got to be able to move a little bit. And the thing with trying to adapt to have him throw short passes all the time. Yeah. Just, it's, it's not his thing, man. No, he tips not. and overthrows, tips and overthrows. Yep. Yep. Is a problem. So I'm going to go with, uh, can't wait to see it. Of course, there's like a bajillion things that are can't wait to see it, but I'm not, I'm not going to go too far off the board here. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, two guys who also could be playing their last games. Although Tom Brady looks like he's going to play till he looks like George Blanda. Um, but that matchup is just unbelievable. I, you know, this happens to me all the time when there's games like this, I just feel sad that someone is going to like have to lose and have to be like, Oh, it's Drew Brees' last game, but he lost or whatever, you know, that's, gonna it's gonna feel kind of sad but it reminds me of when you would see like joe montana and john elway going at it in the playoffs or something like that like this is as classic and as legendary as it gets and this might be the last time we ever see these two quarterbacks go at it and they've got an argument for number one and number five all time or, or something like that um so i can't wait to see those two guys go after it I mean, but my question is, is do, does it look the same as it did during the regular season where the saints just absolutely just stomp all over these guys? Like the Buccaneers didn't put up a fight against these guys for gosh knows whatever reason. I mean, I just didn't understand it. It's like, they were almost like the saints came out. Like we, we know what you're going to do. And 
we're just better than you. Like, I do think there's a, a Tom Brady playoff edge. Like, obviously, Chase Young found that out. Like, don't poke the bear. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I think that, again, I'm super excited for this matchup. Strictly because you said, I mean, I don't think they've ever met in the playoffs before because AFC, NFC. Right. And so, I mean, just that that's going to be a super fun matchup to watch. I think with the, the emergence of Tampa's offense, do we have any idea if Mike Evans is playing? Uh, I would assume that he is. Okay. He played the last game um, right. and played well. I, I haven't seen anything to suggest that he's out. Uh, I do. I am reminded though of the time that the jets beat the heck out of the Patriots and then they faced each other in the playoffs uh, again. And I think the yeah. Patriots won like it. I mean, Tom Brady getting a third shot at somebody and the way that their offense has been operating, like the, the story was Taylor Heineke the other day, but okay, fine. Tom Brady against a top five defense, put up 31 points and had the highest PFF grade of anyone in the playoffs. Like if I'm new Orleans and they have a phenomenal defense, but if I'm new Orleans, I'm pretty concerned about how spry he looks going in the playoffs. Yeah. He looks like he got rejuvenated. I think Giselle took him to the spa and got him, got yeah, him avocado right. Avocado so, ice cream. Avocado so ice cream. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> My can't wait to see it is you got Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Yes. Uh, yes. You got two first rounders that were coming out in that year. I mean, that, that quarterback class is proving to be everything that it would turned out to be. Uh, you got a Bills team that is red hot on the offensive side of the football throwing. Them, and then you've got a Ravens team that's I mean, they've won six out of the last seven, I think. So, I mean, you got two absolutely red hot offenses. This is one of those games where you just hammer the over, right? Like this is <laughs> this looks like one of those games where you, you're going to see a, a 35 to 28 or 42 to 35 type of game because. I think that both teams are very willing to score points, but I think Buffalo's defense is going to be the one that really has to step up to win this game. Yep. Like if Buffalo wants to win this game, it's going to have to be on the defensive side of the football. And as of late, they've played better. Um, I think people underestimated how good the Colts defense really was. Oh, the, yeah. Colts, the Colts defense was extremely good. And to see what the, the Bills able to move the ball down the field, methodically get it in the end zone time and time again, showed me that this, this Bills team is really built to go the long haul. So I'm excited to see those two quarterbacks go after it. Very different styles. I mean, Lamar's going to try and run all over the place. I think Josh is going to try and throw for 400 yards again mm -hmm. and go from that. But this is going to be a really fun game in Orchard Park. The Bills offensive line is really good. And I thought overall they did a great job against Indianapolis, but uh, Baltimore can really come after the quarterback. Yep. So I, I will be interested too. It, it's like they Indianapolis didn't blitz Josh Allen very often. They tried to make him sit back there and read and read and read the defense. And I thought it worked for a lot of the game. There were other times where I was surprised they weren't more aggressive, but I think I might pick Baltimore in this game. The one thing that's really the, that's hard for me is the loss of Zach Moss, the running back, the yes. rookie out of Utah. He was their physical hammer. Singletary's really struggled a lot this year. He hasn't done a lot of like breaking the tackles. And so without Zach Moss, I worry about them trying to get, I did just see that they signed Freeman to their yes. practice squad. So yes. who knows? I mean, right. it's, uh, how about Jared Valdeer? How about know, Jared so Valdeer? Cool. Yeah. Freaking signs off the couch. He looks like he's 280 pounds, by the way. Left tackle for the Colts. Signs off the couch, goes to the Colts, plays a playoff game, loses. Since he was not on the regular 53-man roster, he then gets released. Gets signed by the Packers to now go possibly win a Super Bowl ring. This dude could go from on his couch, diddling his thing, to winning a Super Bowl in a matter of like a month. That is uh, only this year, literally. Yeah. Only this year where this could possibly happen. Um, and... That will be very interesting to watch, by the way. Uh, no David Bakhtieri for the Green mm -hmm. Bay Packers in terms of your storyline. So, all right, is there, uh, is, there a, is there one more bonus? Can't wait to see it from you before we wrap up. 
see if the Chiefs have regrouped and look like the high-powered Chiefs we're yeah. used to seeing. I mean, I think that this week off did wonders for them would be my guess that they might come out and it's like, you know what, Browns? Good run, but we're still the Kansas City Chiefs and we're going to go just throw the ball over the place. So I, I don't know. I think that they their struggles at the end of the season, I think that they were just kind of getting beat down, a little wore down. I mean, they've been the championship run and the whole mm-hmm. bit. So I think this week off, Andy Reid's such a great coach. He's going to have them just rocking in a roll, and I can see them just coming out in prime form again where it's like, okay, well, I don't know if anyone can beat these dudes. The physical nature of playoff games. I just remember last year being in New Orleans and watching the first-round game, and I thought – I have no idea how you're going to go on the road and play another game. And that's what Cleveland's going to have to do. They get their coach back though. So if they lose, it's all Stefanski's ball. Like, right. <laughs> I, th- I thought that one of your love to see it was going to be players, not really practicing and then going out and playing great. And like, yeah, they could probably do that a lot more. I'm curious if that's, what's going to start happening. I mean, if I'm the players, you know, I'm be like, Hey, look, Titans. I mean, shoot the Titans have practiced for like 18 days and then walked in and beat the hell out of the bills. There's something to be said about being fresh. I'm mm-hmm. just going to leave it there. There's yep. something to be said. But you, until you get all the coaches from the 60s out of there, it ain't going <laughs> to matter. Yeah, that's true. Well, uh, as always, great stuff. Jeremiah will continue to roll all the way through the playoffs. Yes. And we'll pop on some Viking storylines, some playoff talk, and uh, go forward. And you actually got to not watch tape that made you mm, sad. So, so happy. <laughs> all right. We'll catch you next week, Jeremiah. Absolutely. See you guys.